Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name's Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined by a crowd of people. Aaron Maul, Sarah Thompson Johansson, Marissa Abbas, John Cockerell, and Ross Crayon. Yeah, yeah. How are yeah, all of you yeah. doing all at once? Swell. So great. Great. Good. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Aaron Maul, bad at leveling. Oh, sorry. No, I'm excited. Terrible. Not terrible. I'm actually just... We've had, like, the um, audio experimentation from hell today in this little five-minute period of me just trying to make one microphone work dangling from a weird mic stand I couldn't find a clip for. But, you know, we're have here. Have I mentioned that you should donate to the show? <laughs> yeah, really. Really. I was just Which, trying to compensate for the distance that I am from the microphone, so I appreciate it. Yeah. We all appreciate your efforts, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, all of you are here today. We just heard the lovely Sarah Thompson Johansson. I hate that adjective. Not it does, that it doesn't describe you. It's just so gendered. Yeah. Like, no one ever calls me lovely. Do you want I don't to start know. Maybe if lovely? we were in Britain. Oh, oh, is that a thing? Yeah. I yeah. Get, I get Everything's lovely. lovely. All the time. Yeah, I use yeah. lovely yeah. For, every, for everybody. I think I have described John as lovely, actually. <laughs> you, have yeah. that, you, have a, you have a face that like endears that I feel. I think it's also just a common adjective used for pianists regardless regardless of gender. Oh that's really? fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's Maybe. describing their playing more than their looks. Suppose but in my oh, case yeah. it's both. Suppose it's right. better than like <laughs> dexterous or something for a pianist. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so flexible. From now on, whenever we have a pianist on, it's gonna be and we have with us today the dexterous, <laughs> nimble fingered, <laughs> swift callous, swift callous. Uh, what's the what's the um? I don't know. Okay, right there with you. So this episode's coming out tomorrow. Is tomorrow? It's the day after tomorrow, right? Is the release? No, it's no, tomorrow. No, tomorrow is the release. Nice. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. You so. can hear the nervousness. <laughs> How are you feeling, Ross? See here, I was thinking. Yeah. Nervous. <laughs> I'm very nervous. You can't be I mean, nervous. Why this are you isn't nervous? The time, it's going to be amazing. I mean, this isn't the first time I've released an album either, but this is like the the biggest yeah. thing I have done. And it's like when you release... It's like when you create anything and release it to the world. It's like giving birth and releasing your child to the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, mm. and then everyone's going to judge it and, and, your, and your parenting <laughs> skills on that, you know. 
Um, so, I mean, which it, it's all part of the deal. It's not so something it's like, I'm not aware of. But, it's almost you know. higher stakes than a baby mm-hmm. because it's not like anyone's going like, <laughs> to look at a baby and be like, well, and like judge the baby by its merits. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? I have been known to be pretty judgmental okay. of babies also. Yeah. So and you what, can, what's you going can on Twitter lately? I just mean like generally oh, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter is an amazing place. I am, I adore Twitter, but they would make fun of any baby that you put in front of them. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Ross, yeah. I think your work is safe. Yeah. Well, it's a so. beautiful creation. Well, yeah. Well, let's do the deep cut. So stuck. when? Because I think I remember when I first met you, Ross. Mm-hmm. I met you, I think I met you through Aaron? I, I'm not Probably. sure. Probably. Oh, yes, I, he came to Opera on Tap. Well, we had a meeting very long time ago, back when I used to work for the recording company that I worked mm-hmm. for. Um, and I don't. I think it might have been, I'm not sure. But my my real question here is, um, I know that, that Great God Pan has been a, like an idea for a very long time at least a couple of years probably more than that right it's been three years yeah 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 and so i learned about you in depth at least from aaron when we were working at opera on tap together um and so i know that you two also have a very storied past so i'm i'm curious if if uh it's all so scandalous yeah well yeah it's not that scandalous just goes way back right yeah, yeah, yeah. Met we were lovers in one Paris. night we, yeah. in the, in, <laughs> we met in the sex dungeon That's guys right. you're With gonna be cats. starting right. uh, <laughs> starting rumors about us i don't know yeah, right. <laughs> aaron, yeah for the five aaron was the even show. better First, wait 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 we yeah. met we met when i was in high school we did. Yeah. yeah. And I was not in high school. Yeah. Even, yeah. Okay, so now there. let's clarify that. <laughs> so, you were the teacher, she was a student. I was. <laughs> well, Erin's um, choir director at her high school, um, Heather Berger, is a good friend of mine from grad school at Illinois State. And Heather would ask me to go and do master classes with some of her more serious vocalists for the choir kids so that they can see what kind of work is really necessary. So I would be touring at that time. There was about three years I went on tour just straight through. And I, every time I would stop through um, Morton, Illinois and do a master class <laughs> with the kids. And Erin was one of the first kids that actually sang with me and now she's no longer a kid. So anyway, all these years later, um, yeah, I remember going to an opera on tap show when I started actually like coming to Chicago often to do some work and I just went to her and goes, no, I just, I just said like, don't I know you? <laughs> Mrs. Berger said bye. And she's like, what? So <laughs> it was and, ridiculous. And then, the, and then it just, yeah, it just snowballed. Like all of the events after just snowballed and mm-hmm. we just, uh, we met everyone in the world, I think, mm-hmm. after that. So, um, yeah, Great God Pan wasn't long after that. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I was writing it. I think I was writing it during that time. Well, and Great God Pan, and actually a lot of your work and a lot of your community, you've done a lot through crowdsourcing. Because yes. that's how, because that's how actually I, this is Maureen, this is how I met you, is mm-hmm. that even, you were actually one of my first Chicago contacts. I tend to be that for several yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> because I was on, I joined the Chicago Classical Singers group the summer before I moved to Chicago and you were looking for singers to record a trio 
Yes. Oh, right. And it yeah. was... Which we never Which we never, did. never recorded. <laughs> we never did that. We never did it. Oh, there's Scotty always the studio. feature. <laughs> we could do it. We could Scotty Studio that. Yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. we could. Um, um, I'd have to look at it again. Me too. <laughs> well, so my, uh, my kind of first question, delving into the work, is um, something I think is... Um, that's very present in this piece and, and um, is something that I think a lot of uh, new opera, and I mean opera generally, but specifically new opera, I think is really trying to play with and kind of flush out, um, is characters. And I think all of the characters throughout The Great God Pan all, each have such depth and such, um, you know, there's so much to them. Um, and, you know, since we have so many of you here that are playing those characters, um, you know, would you mind telling us a little bit about, uh, you know, the characters that you play in the opera? Kind of like, obviously, not, don't give anything away. But, like, you know, um, what can people expect, you know, like, as far as, like, context and um, content is concerned? Um, I mean, I'll go ahead and start. This is Aaron. Um, I did want to say, from having read the source material, Ross does an amazing job of bringing these characters to life. I don't necessarily feel like, I mean... They are on the page, but also I feel like they're a little bit drier in the mm. original material. Um, and Ross really added an extra depth to them when he set it to music and with his uh, libretto. So um, that's really amazing. Um, I, in the recording, do the character of Austin. Um, and he, she, <laughs> she, he. Austin was a Austin he. was a guy. <laughs> in the book, Was a he a in the book. Yes. Correct. And has been tr transformed into a, a female part, um, that of a Tommy boy. Yeah. And um, so she's kind of part of this sleuthing team, the the uh, Sherlock and Watson kind of of the story. Um, and uh, I particularly appreciate that we did, you know, bend the gender in this to. Um, right. Well, Austin lives as a man. Austin right. lives as a male, even though. All of, all of society around her knows that mm -hmm. she is female, mm -hmm. but it's kind of how things went um, as far as gender roles went in the Victorian era, where if, if a woman lived as a male, she was respected as a male. She was treated as a male. Yeah. Um, I, we obviously don't see that going nowadays, so it, it, yeah. definitely, it, it definitely makes a huge difference, and I, and I feel like uh, it, it helps. Um, having the Austin character helps kind of uh, bring that conflict of gender mm -hmm. um, into the story. So, yeah, and I mean, um, you know, the pants roll tradition is not new to opera, but what I think <laughs> is new to it is that it it rings through to the character. You know, like it, like the character is, and I'm using air quotes, like a pants roll. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean that's kind of a a really cool and interesting thing to highlight. Um, you know, as you've kind of, uh, obviously it's not a, like, staged, like, realized figures, uh, or figures, like, action-derived character, but there is, there has, there is a ton of thought that you've probably put into that character. Mm -hmm. How, um, you know, how have you started to think about that and apply that to the recording? Yeah, I mean, talking about, just talking about the pants roll in general, I think it's a little different than what we would consider a traditional pants role because yes, she is living this life as a male, but that's actually what is able to um, bring her to be her true self. Yeah. You know, she's able to live the life that she wants to live through this medium. So I, you know, it's 
it's not the traditional sense of a pants role in that it would be a woman just playing a guy's role and pretending to be a guy. You know, she really is able to find truth in this costume, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah, I think what Ross has done is a really cool kind of turning on its head the idea of a pants role mm -hmm. in this. Absolutely. And also, um, you know, speaking of your characters, Sarah, um, it, it plays a lot with what the genders are expected of, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, would you mind actually speaking a little bit to that? Sure. Yeah, so I play Helen, who is, I guess you would call her a demigod. Um, she's the daughter of the titular great god Pan and someone else. Um, me! <laughs> I'm sorry. Go. I wasn't sure if that counted as a spoiler or not, so that's why I didn't say you. Um, I t will never leave an opportunity to talk about myself, so. Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> Spoilers be damned. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that is who I play. Um, it's So in the original source material, Helen is just talked about. Like, she mm. does not have a voice at all. And Ross has given her a voice. Mm. And it's... I just... I love this character so much. It's... She's... There's a depth. Um, she's... If, if you look at it on the surface, Helen is the villainess of this story. But... She's she's not doing anything out of a place of malevolence mm -hmm. whatsoever. She is truly trying to f save mankind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at the things she's done, yeah, some of them are pretty terrifying and awful, but she, she can't see that. She doesn't see that. And she's doing it, I would argue... It's, it's from a mixed place. It's not from just a place of, you know, love and giving. Um, you know, some of it is for her, her pleasure and she and her father's gain, but some of it also is, I think, from a place of benevolence and love. Yeah. I remember at one point when, and I don't remember at what point in the history of the time that I've known you now this was, but I know that we talked about this character. I'm talking. I'm looking at Ross right now. For the people in the room, I've now talked. For the people not in the room, That's I've now me. talked about someone for 20 <laughs> seconds and not. Um, so I know that um, for you with this character specifically, because it is such a, a crucial part to the plot, um, there was a, a serious weighing of the need for the flexibility of both being presented as this kind of like virginal, like stereotypical kind of female. Um, Thing, but it also needs to be able to flip that entirely on its head and present that, like, villainous, that, like, you know... Yeah, I mean, the original story, Helen's just flat out an antichrist. She's a very evil, villainous character. And um, you know, one of the things I'm so used to saying now when it comes to what I would call renovating, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. this, this story, is after giving the female roles, their voices that I thought were so necessary, there's definitely a subjectivity that now arises with the storyline and who Helen is. Um, and she's not. She's not a normal person. She's not a normal being. And sometimes we have to remember it. People outside of <laughs> our realm don't really follow the same rules and does it make it wrong or not. Like, that's... No. Mm. 
and that's a question. That's a question I never get answered. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I decided because the story very much parallels a very blasphemous retelling of the nativity in general, if you look at the story down the line and compare it. Um, how Christ-like in many ways Helen can be seen as. Um, however, because of the world that we live in, we're looking at Helen through such uh, a very narrow, distorted lens of how how we have been brought up and how we view mm. sexuality and religion and just and, and morality in general. Um, and I think all those can be also subjective. So um, yeah, we we decided. No, I decided that Helen definitely needed her her time in the sun. Um, and just to be seen, you know, just to be seen in the fact that no, she's just not this one-dimensional character whatsoever. Yeah, she has many facets, and um, we we definitely try to um, delve and experiment within that personality. Yeah. Cool. They got deep. They did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that's that's what I really like about this is. Um, you know, so I, I bring coming back to kind of where you've taken this character. I mean, what is it like for you um, playing? I mean, especially as a soprano, right? Because I mean, like, what's your bread and butter? Like Zelina, like um, Susanna, maybe Susanna's mm -hmm. maybe you're starting to get into this idea of a character that actually has some agency at all. But I mean, like Despina. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been so it's been thrilling and really empowering. I mean, it's. Yeah, the, the, the roles that I tend to sing in traditional opera, you know, the the most agency they tend to have is, like, being real sassy, you know? <laughs> or, like... <laughs> and being real sassy and then getting married. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. And I just want to say real quick, because I, I, I definitely want to give... I, want, I did want to make sure that I don't take time from everyone else, but especially for this character, it was something that I looked at and looked over the shoulder of for a very long time when we were creating that character and workshopping that character and auditioning for that character. And the only person that came with that kind of gray area of morality and that being this whole, like, it wasn't black and white and we saw all these shades of gray was Sarah. Mm -hmm. and even at live auditions the girls did a wonderful job they all sing beautifully but the character the absolute spirit of that character was there like through Sarah from, right. from the get go and it just became a no brainer yeah. whatsoever yeah. Like, there was no yeah. doubt about it well, thank so. you, Ross. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the the character really did resonate with me just mm -hmm. it immediately. And I know that sounds, you know, like a cliched thing to say, but it, it really did. I mean, you know, we we all have a, a rich inner life that no one else can see. And that's kind of going on to a degree. That's what's going on with Helen in a way. Yeah. You know, she, she has this this agenda and this this desire and she's not trying to keep it hidden like maybe we do in our everyday lives with our inner life but no one can see it 
-hmm. because you know the humanity around her isn't capable is that for you like what really resonated with the character yeah that's that's a big part of it i think cool cool um marissa tell us about your character uh my character is trevor and he is a wee lad who uh, (laughs) who just wants to pick some posies (laughs) it's very true it's very true um he is um i think in a lot of ways the viewer's sense of of um innocence Mm. and what can be uh not putting any spoilers in but what can potentially be uh lost in helen's um upbringing and and in her path and her quest to uh, reach what she would like to reach um so he's a fun character Mm -hmm. i like him he leaves an impact um but as far as the the show itself i i would just like to articulate how impressed i am with it for a a variety of reasons. One of them is uh, the way that it handles uh, sexuality and gender. I do feel like this show, especially with the the role of Austin, really Mm -hmm. allows for a lot of gender fluidity, Mm -hmm. really allows for um, a full range of gender expression, and I feel like that's so rare. Yeah, and also allowing also allowing that to exist outside of sexuality is important because exactly. there's, there's a conflation of the two yeah. and it's not always yeah. that. I mean, granted, Austin is a lesbian and, and I think that that brings a piece to it, but I do think that it is it is different. Right. And then as far as sexuality goes, like the role of, he- of Helen is so wrapped up in how she seduces the man that she... Is it raining? Yeah, it, does, it is yeah. raining. Mm. Oh, hey. wow. Um, how about and, that? <laughs> and how she seduces hey. these men and... I'm, the power that she has with her sexuality. And I think it does go back to the idea that women's sexuality is dangerous, that it needs to be contained, that it needs Mm. to be controlled and that it cannot be unleashed. And I think that this character is a really great way of exploring that. I think it's really interesting. Um, As far as the structure of the opera goes itself, I really love that there are just three very distinct flavors. The first is this mysterious, whoa, what are we going to do right here? What's happening? Mad scientist. Mad scientist. (laughs) Truly. Um, And that it gets into like this almost bouncy, propelling detective mystery. (laughs) It does. It's like, I want to jam out to it when I listen to it. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And then by the end, it's just these haunting fragments. I think they're literally called fragments. These haunting fragments of what happens in the aftermath of this story. And um, it's really well written and it's a really affecting piece. And I just, there's so, there's such a variety of things that you can hear Mm -hmm. in it, so. Mm -hmm. That's that starts off my next question really well, which is I think um, uh, one of the things for as an audience, let's say, like I'm trying to I'm trying to speak for that now, um, you know, and I think the reason I it's easy for me to jump to this is because it's something I've been thinking about with the podcast too. I think it's what a lot of us think when we're producing things is, um, you know, we have people that will listen to whatever we do. You know, and we'll always support and be supportive. And that's great. And, and like, that's fantastic. But um, I think at a certain point, what we all want to have happen is for new listeners to come into a space and hear something for the first time and get something out of it. And I think um, this recording especially um, falls into a, that kind of a category where, um, you know, 
the release of it, you know, it's it's wanting to have more listenership. And I think there's a really great chance for that. And so my question is, considering that as a target audience, first off, I, I don't want to assume that that's what, that's what your target, there is a target audience there of that. I, I, I imagine there is. But um, my curiosity is, and this can go to anybody in the room, um, is what is your ad advice? What is the things that you, the, the primers you would give someone that has no idea who Ross Crane is or who um, doesn't know any of the people in the cast personally? Um, what, what is it about this piece that when they, if they only have time to listen to it one time and kind of gather something from it, what do they need to know? I'll go. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, the way that I've been marketing it on our show is that it's an exploration of, um, morality and gender, um, and like the morality of overt sexuality. Um, and like, you know, are we deep? Cause in my mind, Helen's role is just like the picture of what like true like hedonism mm -hmm. looks like mm -hmm. and like just mm -hmm. living for your own pleasure and not really and just kind of like boxing out consequences that come mm -hmm. from your end goal it's so sumptuous it's yeah. extremely yeah. sumptuous and so it's like and so like of you know especially in like Victorian era England of course she is literally a demon so it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just, it's like a morality play of, like, what happens when your end goal is pleasure, mm. which I think is, you know, with with a smattering of horror and gender, and gender roles. And a detective so, plot. And a, and, and a detective. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's, that's how I've been doing it. Uh, no, I, just on top of what you just said, I've... I, you know, Helen, Helen is the tool for, I think, really reflecting what society is on itself. Um, I think there are a, a lot of men who would love to have a woman like Helen who is very sexually aggressive and plentiful in the, in the bed, <laughs> but we'll just as quickly call her a whore for living yeah. her life honestly and openly right and saying the things that we we never hear those things that helen says we still have them innuendoed but to get the idea of what she says we know that many people would love to hear those things coming from a woman no to to, to signal that she wants someone, but at the same time, I think as, in, as, a, as a whole in society, we're just as quickly to damn her for the same behavior, mm. which I feel like is, is, it definitely shows the hypocrisy mm -hmm. of how we view these for things. For sure. Yeah, these feelings can turn on a dime very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about my role for a second, just because I think that it not because you should no and, and not really not should. just because I'm a narcissist, but because I think that it, that it plays an interesting role in this discussion. Where uh, my character Mary is pretty much the only person who wants something conventional. I want to marry 
the surgeon. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I want, I want the money. I want the how. I mean, I, I want a cookie cutter life. And from that, I am introduced to this world that absolutely just, sh- like, l- literally shatters me. Um, and I think that it just demonstrates, like, the the morality of this opera of like what you know what the I guess what the not that I want to say standards are but that doesn't make sense but like what the parameters of like living in this world are no, that, that like, makes sense mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. she wanted something conventional and she is shattered <laughs> by by well, this world and especially in the the patriarchy that we live in and especially in Victorian times I mean you were trained to want that since birth and mm. the world around you was created to also destroy you for for following through with that in some ways like for having that weakness quote unquote weakness mm-hmm. for having that want when helen steps outside of that or when she takes that male power and utilizes it for herself i think that's why everyone flips their shit and they're terrified of that just like no if a woman takes that power that's usually seen as a male trait Everyone goes insane. Yeah. Everyone's very upset unless you s- subscribe to this very, very specific way of uh, interacting with with men and women, and or this very specific like wanting a wife, wanting a husband and kids, and all of those things. Um, I think it's really interesting, and it's sad for your character, obviously. Oh but yeah, that, that that's her fate mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. that's all she's wanted. That's all she's been told to expect, and then the world and just she fucks her over for it. Oh yeah. Not even the world, a man. A man, a man fucks, a yeah. man fucks her over. Yeah. One man the fucks her over. The innocence that's been bred in her from birth, from all, all of her experiences with this particular man, especially, he just rips her life away from her. Well, and and it's crazy. Like, there's, there's some lead up to my character's entrance where I'm introduced and he's talking to another man and I'm, I'm introduced as, like, this option of making something work. Mm-hmm. And the other the the person that you know he's having this discussion with he, he's basically like oh come on what like yeah. you're gonna no and he just doesn't care he just it, does it he's like, like no it'll be no it's perfect because and i'm i'm portrayed as very simple and as very simple-minded because i want this yeah. thing and because i want this thing that i've been so trained for I'm seen as very pliable and, and very disposable. And the moment a woman does not go on that path, yeah, then she's the Antichrist, then she's yeah. all these things. Yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like that's another extreme of how we see Helen as such a horrible person. And we get to actually see the naked and, like, the naked malignance in humankind with, through Dr. Raymond, mm-hmm. where... He, I mean, he he outright says in the book as well as well, I made sure we said the same thing in the old Rado, that Mary is a simple, simple child, and that's because he rescued Mary from the gutter. That her life is is his to do whatever the hell he feels like he wants to do, mm-hmm. and feels no guilt of conscience for that. He really feels like it's owed. Mary, when I wrote this, and and well, and she still is. Mary is the representation of what rape is where there it's it's complete ownership over someone and complete uh complete uh just the taking away 
of her power as 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 far as her rights is to be just a, a human being and to have her own dignity and respect and she doesn't have that she's been tricked to 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 think that she's had that but we see the audience and the listeners they 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 understand that this is not the reality of this case well and there's no you're in the the action there's no cloaking of that like you're mm-hmm. not delicate about like can i say the transition from love song to the end of our duet yeah so i literally he are my my and dr raymond's love duet ends with my mouth being covered with a chloroform soaked rag yeah, like to put you asleep. Yep. Yep. It like literally in the recording process, I in my final note, uh, the baritone's note is held longer than mine, and I finish it going like um, and he fully intones it. Mm-hmm. It's like written in the score that it, way. Again, it's his taking over. Absolutely, his taking over of of, of Mary. So, uh, I yeah, I feel like it, I feel like it was. A very small but crucial moment in, in seeing, in, in building those two characters. Yeah. And really seeing behind the scenes of who they are. Do you all have favorite tracks? I mean, obviously the one where I say I win this game that we're playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Austin's original, yeah. That was, that would that would be um, the Villiers that's, parlor. That's the beginning. In scene <laughs> Her introduction to scene three. I love yeah. I love the the choral tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, actually, the choral tracks are the, super cool. The texture yeah. that is achieved is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And like I remember being in you know being like singing in that group and just like being so overwhelmed by the sound we were making. Yeah. It was so powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, the uh, the kind of climactic moment, um, Helen's prophecy before the fall, I believe is the name of yeah, the track. Yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> that is just so thrilling to sing and to listen to. I mean, when you're listening to this, if like your heart rate doesn't speed up, then you might not be fully alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm um, uh, I'm now also looking to see how one would find the album on iTunes. Mm. And how you would do that is you would go on your if you had Apple Music if you're a bougie fuck like myself <laughs> and have Apple Music. Um, you would go and you would search Ross Crean colon The Great God Pan. So well, you can I'm just search to... my name too. It comes up. Oh, I tried that. It oh, didn't really? come up right away. Oh. Um, yeah, because it's it's under various artists, not. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it does for me. Okay, I, it, it appears at the end of my discography. Gotcha. It's yeah. So like, you definitely have to like look into the end of the discography yeah. that shows up. But yeah. Cool. Um, and so tomorrow, so when people are listening to this, it'll be all like. It's already up there. Yeah, it's all yeah. set to go. But I mean, it'll be like you could press it, and it'll like, probably right. Isn't that yeah. how it works for Apple Music? Yeah. It'll, Isn't that cool? It, yeah. Yeah, and that's gotta be a crazy feeling. Amazon as well, right? And, yeah. Yes, you can uh, get Amazon. Um, I think it's gonna hit a fan camp. Bacon. No, <laughs> no, I think it's gonna. 
No. I, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to hit a few brick and mortar stores too, but obviously, you know, we don't put too much um, emphasis on those anymore. Um, but let me also. Vinyl? No, you know what? That like, I, I definitely that. So I definitely cassette tape. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I definitely. I cassette tapes. This thing would take. It would take like five, I think. Yeah. Five or six cassette tapes for this thing. They're in vogue um, right now. They are. They're so in vogue. I mean, there's are. a couple. There's a couple labels now that purely do cassette tapes. Um, I could see like doing like twenty years down the line doing a vinyl reprinting. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, just no, I don't know. To be niche, I guess. Um, but I do, like, all of the interviews that have happened with the Great Guy Piano, I've never, we've never discussed, a, like, full in depth the piano. Yeah. Oh. I'm oh. ready. Nice transition. Let's do it. And I really think it's important because the piano becomes another character. Mm-hmm. But both pianos become their own characters in the opera. Like, that was my intention. And it was also to make scenery. It was also to make uh, make reflections of emotion that were going on and um i feel like that was a challenge of course because you know usually like you get a small chamber ensemble offered to you for things like this and i was like well i don't have that much money on me <laughs> so let's do two pianos and as a synesthete i knew that doing internal piano was going to be like really awesome yeah in order, in order for getting the colors that i wanted out of an opera like this. So, um, yeah, I, John was the first person I hired for this. Because yep. John's awesome. Because I knew John would do it Because well. John is lovely. Yeah. Well, I actually met <laughs> yes. you through, through Aaron as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, two years ago, we recorded the first, or at least early demo tracks. Was that two years um, ago? It was, it was two years 2015, ago. 2015, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 Well, no. It was, well, oh, it, it as it, a, in November, it will be yeah. two years. Yeah, it was fall of So it's almost two years. We're not at okay. years yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was a crazy yeah. day. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And, and John and Stephen Yule did, mm-hmm. both. they both did the workshop and they both mm-hmm. did wonderful jobs. Yeah. Um, and they were both on the recording. Mm-hmm. So um, we just decided to keep in, keep in the family. So um, anyway, you were saying though. Oh, um, so I, I play the piano one part, which is the more traditional, conventional playing, in, in a sense, in that I only play uh, on the piano as God intended. Just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, play on the keys. You may leave now. Let's <laughs> leave God out of this. <laughs> and then, uh, then there's the second piano part, which does that as well, but also does all, a lot of all, all the internal uh, extended techniques inside the strings. Um, using a variety of methods like a, a plectrum and then um, strumming, plucking, um, things like that. Uh, and yeah, what, what do I what do I say about it? I um, I've described your music, Ross, at least especially in this opera, as kind of a. Uh, uh, I think it there's a lot of major minor conflict borrowing bitonality as well as I, I think there's some post minimal elements in it as well there's a lot of patterns or fragments um, that change occasionally um, and uh, yeah I think it's a, I think it's very atmospheric it's all about creating this this haunting 
sound and the, definitely the extended techniques in the second piano. Mm-hmm. Stephen Yule right yeah. on the second piano. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stephen Yule. Um, who I love that he both loves doing Bach Goldberg variations and doing <laughs> like that's just the best to me. He came to our Fourth of July New Music Fest because he saw that there were going to be toy piano duets. Specifically for that reason, that he yeah. was like, he was like, what else would I do on Fourth of July yeah. than hear toy piano duets? Right. <laughs> toy pianos are awesome. I actually thought about toy pianos originally for this too, because uh, I have two of my own. Nice. Um, and I thought, no, it's just not gonna, just not gonna carry out through an auditorium as, as well. Have you met Hot Hanno yet? John Hanno. John Hanno. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Good. we we yeah. both were on New Brew. Right, right, right. first yeah. New Brew here in Chicago. We did. We both had stuff uh, yeah. done on that. So. Do you do you play your toy pianos every Fourth of July? Do I you don't. haul them out? My Fourth of July is usually music less. <laughs> yeah, That's I funny. like silence a lot, so I escape <laughs> fireworks on the Fourth of July. That's fair. I move. Mm. I I go to um, somewhere either rural. There was four years in a row. I went to Paris for Fourth of July because. I would then go to Paris and then go to Avignon, and mm. it's quiet as hell there. So. <laughs> yeah, ooh la la. Yeah, I can't do that much right now, but yeah. Oh, no. um, but it was no, it it was. <laughs> oh no! But uh, I feel like you know you know that you have a great pianist to work with when every time you look over and. They just, they just, they just smile and they shake their head and like, and if there's a question, they just already ask a question. And, um, you know, John's someone that I will work with for years because he's number one, he's very easy to work with, but I think he and I have very similar interpretive styles mm. for, uh, when it, when it comes to, uh, performance and, and how to, how to bring out a piece, um, you know, get to the core of a piece. So I feel like it works really well with us in order and our kind of and our own like conversations with each other and how we approach music is, um, it's it's very beneficial for us. So, um, you know, John will probably be on the next album as well because he knows half the music on there already. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I feel, but I, I, you know. I, I love when someone can be just calm and cool and collected and just practice and they just know their shit and they play it well. And that's John, like, in a nutshell. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have a few minutes left. So the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. I made sure to give us enough time for y'all to do this and also get to uh, rehearsal tonight. Um, so that can, uh, that's sometimes it's very obvious, like when a album is releasing tomorrow or today, rather, for the people at home listening. Um, but it can also be, uh, other groups that you think are doing dope work. Um, and you know, just general self-care stuff, um, books, movies, music, TV shows. Let's oh. round robin starting with Great. Me first. Um, cool. Well, uh, yes, CD release. Great. Um, also Saturday I'm performing at Ravinia for the first time with, uh, opera for the young. It'll be very exciting. We're sharing the day with Santana, so like you do, <laughs> as per right. usual. They're doing a fundraiser too right now, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. Um, <laughs> not Santana, <laughs> Opera for the Young is fundraising oh, gotcha. for um, their, uh, this next year is going to be Rosanka, but the year after they are fundraising for a children's opera that they have commissioned called Superstorm. It's a superhero opera. 
um, for kids, and uh, it's really important that you donate because they bring opera to 75,000 children per year in the Midwest. So this is a really, really great company that um, brings theater and music to kids every year. So. Very exciting. Yes, also, CD release. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I would like to plug, which... Um, Marissa may want to as well, oh. is a group that um, I'm a part of called Praxilla Femina. Oh, um, yeah. We just finished up our kind of mini first season, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. we're like a, through the year, let's yeah. call it a season. Yeah. Let's sound official. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> anyway, we are gearing up to do some really exciting things um, over, over the next year. We're really um, looking forward to growing our group. Um, and presenting some really fantastic feminist art in the city of Chicago. So keep an eye out for us. Excellent. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that. Yeah, Praxilla Femina, um, we are a an all-women uh, feminist music collective. If you would like to join, please contact us. We would love to have more people uh, join us. Anybody who's excited about so- social justice, uh, excited about bringing back... T- uh, thanks to your Chicago community, who's excited about having women's voices in art, uh, exclusively women's voices in, in our case. No boys allowed. Um, Daniel. Yeah. You can just <laughs> come and support Every edition. I keep auditioning. <laughs> you know what? Just at some point, you're just going to have to give up. Like, it's, it's okay. You think that. You think. You think. No. Um, I, I think you uh, underestimate how ma- fragile masculinity is. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I do not at all. Um, but please, um, if you're interested in joining, contact us. We're, we're going to be doing, I think, some sort of event soon where we, you know, have some sort of meet and greet to, to bring more people in because that's that's a really big thing for us is we want to expand expand the ranks. Um, the other thing, just super quickly, sorry, is Scappy Sessions. I'm doing Virginia Wolf again. I'm make that fucking event. You have to make the event sorry. so I can invite people. I'm sorry. Um, I'm doing... Um, I'm still waiting for confirmation from the venue. Well, it's going to be fine. It's not going to that night, but... Can I, can I talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm doing... Uh, Worst from... case scenario, we just, like, show up. Cool. It's a coffee yeah. shop. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing Dominic Argento's uh, From the Diary of Virginia Woolf again. It is staged by Rose Freeman. It is played pianistically by Jordan Kreiss. It is sung by moi. And it's... And acted. And acted by me. It's a, a staged version of that Pulitzer Prize winning cycle. It's a beautiful piece. It's very affecting, and it's going to be, hopefully, at Nightcap. It, 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 it'll, 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 it'll be at Nightcap. At yeah. 7? 7. On Tuesday the 22nd. So come. It's it's a it's a great thing. And Ross's uh, uh, Passive Aggressive Guide to Mother Goose is also going to be performed. It is. That night as well. Gretchen as, Adams will be performing that yes. with Jordan Price. Hey. As well as... Um, Desiree, Desiree Miller. Miller, she's a cellist that we've worked with a lot this summer who, um, she's just going to do some funky cello. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we have any musical theater lovers in the audience, I am music directing Bonnie and Clyde with Co-Candy Productions. Oh, cool. Um, and that opens September 15th at Theater Wit. 
Uh, cool. So if you like Outlaws and Shoot 'em Up Wild West yes. and bluegrass rockabilly music, it'll be a great time. Come see us. That's the group that's doing Little Fish right now, right? Yes. Big fish. We know little Fish. No, it's Little, little fish? fish. It is Little oh. Fish. Yeah. Don't be confused. There is a Little Fish and a Big, big Fish. fish. Oh. Yeah. But it is Little um, Fish. Sorry. No, Nicole Lorenzi uh, was on the show, did his coffee studio with us. Curtis we know ba- is Curtis, Curtis Bannister? Bannister. Yeah. I think that's the only two people we know in that cast. Yeah. Um, that looks fun. I have no idea what the show is about, but I like the people that are in it. So I like, and I keep <laughs> seeing really cool, fun photos, and I'm like, oh yeah. She was on um, ABC Chicago, apparently. Yeah. 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 But, you know yeah. ABC Chicago, trying to BS. No, I'm <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're so jealous. <laughs> Rosif. Ross. Oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I have a new nickname. Um, so. Oh god, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So, uh, uh, so, um, I'm going to be writing, um, a bunch of piano preludes based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. For, yes! Uh, Jesus! For the well-known pianist, Holly Rodefelt. She's a wonderful human being. I love her. I'm going to be working on that in a residency these next two weeks. And then, um, uh, the release party for anyone who wants to show up in person is at Ignoble Wine Bar on August 20th at 5 p.m., um, also, a very important thing about that event is we're inviting performers and musicians of all types to come meet us and network with our new organization um, called Another Voice uh, Collaborative. Yeah, I couldn't keep on talking, so I just that's okay. Say that part. <laughs> I'll take over. So, um, um, and we are a multimedia collaborative, and we are going to do lots of crazy multimedia experimental. Vocal works, we are not seasonal. We are project by project basis. So we will not have like a regular schedule set up. Um, but that is Marissa and um, myself, as well as Catherine Bruton and Matthew Black and um, Ian McGuffin um, pulling all that together. So we're recommending that people come and talk to us and network with us and meet us. And um, we'll, we will have a very lovely time talking to you. Mm. Um. Well, great. Thank you all so much for coming on. Yeah, uh, I've been Dan yeah, Johansson. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Please continue to thank us. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Still Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. Uh, if you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are so many ways that you can do that. You can head over to scobbymag.com. That's our website. Uh, I'm working on a few articles for the magazine. I'm actually starting to hand off a few projects to different writers. So that'll be cool to have on the byline. I think I'm going to write something. Yep, 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 yep. Mm. Uh, so keep an eye out there. Otherwise, keep up with us on the old podcast place, iTunes or others. Um, otherwise, you can keep with us on social media, Facebook, Scopy Magazine, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, at Scopy Mag. We spell that S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Um, everything that we've been able to do up to this point has been through your generosity. So first of all, thank you so much. Second of all, we need a little bit more help. Um, So if you are in a position to give, please consider doing so. You can head to our website, scopymag.com. You can head to our About section. You can do a one-time donation, and if you do that, you'll have our eternal thanks in the form of a handwritten note. If you choose to give monthly, there are some cool incentives. Um, Right now, our next donor will receive 30 days of unlimited fucking yoga from B Yoga Andersonville. Yes. I am 
shocked that no one has taken that. It's been a week. It's been a week. I'm like, wow. I'm shocked that no one has taken that. You can choose I think it's just been a busy week with, like, the promise of the world ending. Right. We won't. Oh, that. Yeah. We won't get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, you can choose between that or a bag of coffee from Halfwit Coffee, which is my favorite coffee in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you are a current donor, then um, if you can guess Daniel's favorite coffee flavor note... You get another bag. Another bag of half wit coffee. So the, the the clues for that are nutty, and it can be uh, a savory a dinner or dessert thing. Thing. So give a Breakfast, little. Probably. I'm gonna end it. Give a little. <laughs> give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>